So if we could, I'd have you singing this morning with me now, because I feel like Psalm 121 is, is one of those psalms that's like those kind of coach songs that we used to sing when we were, you know, when we went to when we were in guides or scouts or went on school trips and one person would start singing everywhere we go or something like that. And then everyone else would know exactly what to join in with as we were riding along. And so someone kicks off, everyone else knows what the response is. And when I'm sort of looking at Psalm 121 and the the context and when it was used, it kind of reminds me of that because it was a song for the pilgrims that were travelling to Jerusalem at festival time. Everybody would have known it. So it's like this question, it starts with a question and then there's this response. And I can imagine one person starting with that. I lift my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? And then others in the group that were travelling together would know how to join in with the song. Now the main reason that pilgrims were travelling up to Jerusalem was that they were going to one of the three great festivals usually. They might have been going to Passover or Pentecost or the Feast of Tabernacles. And in Luke 2 we find that Jesus' parents travelled to Passover every year And we certainly know by the age of 12, if not before, that Jesus travelled with them. So he was very familiar with that journey himself. And when they got there, there was this celebration of the unity of God's people. It was a confirmation of the promises of God. It was an opportunity to look to the future, believing that God would make their nation great again. It was a time of huge hope for the people And that hope came just by being together in the city of God, even if it was for a short time. It was a very present experience. It wasn't just about looking to the future. And when they set out on the journey, the end goal was in their minds, meeting and encountering God in the city, in the temple, in their worship together. And yes, he was with them all the time in their hometowns, but he was, this was this special encounter for all of them. So I wonder how we feel, we feel as we prepare to come together as God's people to worship. Are we waiting to meet God as we make the journey? I think all the years I've gone to church, that hasn't always been the case for me. Maybe it has sometimes and hasn't other times. But thinking about what's been happening this year, What does it feel like? What does it feel like when we're held back from doing that, when we're held back from being together and being a people who worship as a community? Does it make worshipping God feel different now? I mean, obviously there's differences at the moment with how we're worshipping. But does it feel different now that we can come back and be together, having been separated for so long? You know, this gathering today, as strange as it may feel, this gathering today is a sign of the promise that God has made to us to make us one in his spirit. As imperfect as this is, it's a little glimpse of heaven. But that's also true with all the other ways that we've found to connect with God and connect with each other and other people over this past six, seven months year, decade, however long it's been since lockdown started. Uh, I know in, in my own journey, at the start of lockdown, I don't know how you felt, but at the start of lockdown, I really struggled to connect with anything or anyone. 
I wasn't even sure what to do with our, my own little church community. Obviously, we had no, no options to, to meet in, in, in just homes and small rooms and small places. So we, just to start with, we did what we, what, the best we could, just keeping in contact through WhatsApp, because nobody knew what was happening. And at the beginning, I didn't, I didn't have the capacity to take anything else in. I usually listened to a, a, a simple sort of prayer app, and uh, to, to connect with God each day. I couldn't even bear to, to listen to that at the beginning of lockdown. But I had this deep sense that, that that was okay, that I couldn't reach God in the stress and the strain and the trauma and the weirdness and the having to learn so many new things and take so much stuff in, that I couldn't reach God. But I didn't need to strive to change that. It was an invitation to trust that God's presence wasn't going to disappear just because I was struggling. So I let go and I gave myself permission to not try and instead to just trust my instinct to not force anything for that time. And what came was just this simple very, very simple connection with God. Firstly, it was when I noticed the bird song. Sometimes I could just notice it outside my study window, which I've spent a lot of time in in the last few months. Um, or our hour walk that we were allowed to take in the country park, just often with the kids, usually with the kids. Um, but every now and then we'd just notice the bird song and it felt a reminder of God's presence. You know, what I love about bird song is you know it's always going on and every now and then we tune into it and it was that reminder that God is always present and every now and then I'm able to tune into that and then slowly as a little community we started to share that we were missing each other and I was really struggling and I told them that I was really struggling and we ended up arranging a zoom call and then we just carried on meeting online and it went from there. We found simple things to watch and to listen to together. And it encouraged all of us. And we were able to share really openly about how we were feeling on the journey. And from that, gradually I found that I could take things in again and had the capacity to listen and learn. And notice that, it sounds strange, I actually wanted to do it. I didn't feel that I ought to do it or I should do it because that's what a good Christian or a good pastor needs to do. But actually, this new uh, enthusiasm and invitation into connecting with God, it became an unlikely journey. And I kind of see it now like a, a pilgrimage to find God in a new way, a deeper trust that when I have nothing left, God never changes and God is always there. So a little bit about my, my journey in this weird year. But let's go back to that journey in Jerusalem and what we know about that journey. We know that it was a dangerous journey. It's the one that Jesus describes in the parable of the Good Samaritan. It, in that parable, the priest and the Levite, and maybe even the man who was attacked, could have been travelling back from a festival in Jerusalem. And on the journey there are mountains and there are narrow passes which they had to cross, which were the perfect places for robbers and bandits to hide. 
There were also rocky roads. There were uneven paths that could trip them up. Their foot could slip. It was slow going. And there was the danger of the sun and the moon. They could suffer sunstroke. They could be affected by the heat. But they also had a fear of moonstroke that they could be physically or psychologically damaged by the moon and they would have slept in those days with their heads under a cover to protect them from that. And if travelling a long way, like from Galilee or Nazareth, they would have had to stop to sleep and they would have needed someone who didn't sleep or slumber, who stayed awake to keep watch. And then they would have had a concern not just for their coming to the city, but their going home as well. And with all that ahead of them, that question in verse 1, it's not a rhetorical question. It's not even a positive question. It's actually an anxious question. It's okay... To know God well, to want to be journeying with God and towards God, and still ask the anxious question. On our journey with God, I think Tracy's alluded to it already, there are times when the mountains will loom large and we will feel totally overwhelmed. I wonder then that if they sang this particular psalm when someone felt anxious to keep their spirits up. It's a reminder that God is present on the whole journey and not just waiting up ahead in the temple. God is here right now. That's the hope that we have as Christians. So even though we're not on the road to Jerusalem, we can sing this song together. We can encourage each other. We can remind each other that over the rocky ground and through the dark valley, God is with us. And with others, with God's people, we're safe to ask the anxious questions about our lives. That's not a sign of weak faith. It's actually a sign of trust. That we're facing the right way, that we've set out on the road and we're asking the right questions. So with all of that danger ahead, why did those pilgrims want to make that journey? Because they wanted to encounter God. They longed to be with him and with his people. In that time in history, they were reminding each other of the hope of a Messiah, of someone who would be the future king in Jerusalem and who would draw them all back together. So hope set them out on this pilgrimage. And they're confident in the end goal, in the final destination. And as they journey together, they meet God on the way. Hope means that we don't stand still. With hope, we make a journey. We step out in faith, even if there's risk involved. And I wonder today, is there a hope that's in your heart that you need to respond to? But does that hope, that thing you're looking towards, does that also bring you some anxiety as you think about it?
In Luke 21, Jesus makes it very clear what we might be risking when we follow him. For his followers, followers, he said there could be persecution and imprisonment. He said, everyone will hate you because of me. But he goes on to say, stand firm and you will win life. Just as it says in Psalm 121, he will not let your foot slip. He will watch over your life. It's an invitation to trust, not in our own strength, but in Jesus' strength, in God's strength. So why do we take that journey with Jesus and face those risks? Because we've been given a vision of the promised land. It's not actually a piece of land, though. It's the hope that's put in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And there's this point, maybe you can think about it when this has occurred in you, where you begin to know that hope even if you still feel anxious and you hear a calling towards God that you have to answer. This month is Black History Month and it's really appropriate to remember Martin Luther King Jr.'s final speech. And in it, he lists God's faithfulness to all those people in their fight for justice all the ways they've been held and watched over. And he even talks about the danger of that road that the Good Samaritan travelled. And at the end of the speech, sensing the imminent danger that he's facing, he says this, and I can't speak with anything like his passion, but this is what he said. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I have seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He made that pilgrimage for justice because of the hope in his heart. And yes, we still have a long, long, long way to go to reach his dream. But that speech is a reminder that this journey isn't just about us encountering God as we come together. It's about the journey we take through our whole lives. Being people who want to be involved in God bringing his kingdom to be a reality in our world to bring that promised land of justice and peace. Now we know that Jesus, who made that journey a number of times, made one last journey to the festivities in the city. He set his eyes on Jerusalem and he knew that he had to suffer and die there. 
And I wonder how he felt if his friends started to sing the words of Psalm 121 on that journey. I wonder if he ever started singing it to raise their spirits. Only he knew what he faced. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? There's an echo in, the, in those words when Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. When even Jesus needed to ask that anxious question and ask for help. He couldn't have done it if he didn't have hope about the final destination for the joy set before him. He had hope. He trusted God's plan. He knew that whatever the dangers, God would keep him and hold him through to the end, now and forever. He took the full journey through death to hell and he burst through its gates. And he did it so that however bad things might get for us, we never have to go to that place ourselves. Whatever he faced, he had this strength from the hope that God would bring him through. He could bear the journey because he could see the promised land. And the first expression of that promised land is us. He saw us, his church. We were the hope and the joy that filled his heart, that gave him the strength to take that horrific pilgrimage. That's you and me. We were the prize that he fixed his eyes on. And that's the song that we need to sing to each other. The song about how Jesus showed the depths of God's love for us. The song about how the one who defeated death once and for all is the one who is always with us, keeping our feet on the path, protecting us from the heat of the sun, watching over us all the time. We need to help each other keep our eyes fixed on Jesus when we're fearing what's going to come at us from the mountains. You know, all those unknown things that life throws at us. Or when we're struggling to move forward for fear of falling. When we think our own sins and mistakes are going to trip us up and make us fail. Jesus promises to hold us firm through the coming and the going, the ups and the downs, now and forever. He protects us. He sets us on the right path. And we can trust that when we veer off the path because of our mistakes and those times we turn away from God, he forgives us and he helps us back to him. That's what the word repentance means, to turn around and to take a new path. He's made his home in us by his Holy Spirit and that's permanent every second, every minute of every day. And one part of hope is that we know that's true, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it at times, even when we're struggling with everything else going on to connect. All of us, however long we've been a Christian, we still ask the anxious question at the beginning of new journeys or at a new stage in our journey with God. And the psalm invites us to be honest before God about our anxieties. So I just want to ask this as we end. 
How can we surround ourselves with people who can answer the question for us, who can remind us of hope, who can encourage us on the scary bits of the journey, who can tell us the story of Jesus, of the journey that he took for us, of the place he has prepared for us, and the way that he's with us every step on the journey to the promised land. Let's just be silent for a moment. Hold those questions before God. And I pray that as you continue on your way, may you know that God goes before you. And by the strength of his spirit, that you will be able to share your faith with the uncertain. And share your love with the unlovely. And share your presence with the lonely. And share God with everyone just as God has shared himself with you in the unfading blessing of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Thank you, Lindsay. Lots to think about there.